You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Thursday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. It is Thursday. I'm so happy to have you with us today. I believe you're going to be blessed. Please tag a friend, call somebody, let them know that it's Thursday and we're here to share the life-changing word with you. You can get us on Facebook. You can get us on YouTube. And I want to encourage you to start moving over into Mike Moore Ministries. I'm transitioning full time into Mike Moore Ministries. So I want you to get used to going there. You can go back and look at some of the previous lessons. I'm teaching a series that I know it is blessing married couples. Maybe you're single, you want to get married one day, this is going to be good preparation for you. We're talking on the subject, winning the marriage game. I got about seven or eight lessons in this series, and we're on lesson four. Now, we've talked about the goal of marriage in lesson one. We talked about playing together in lesson two, that marriage is a team sport. And then in lesson three, we talked about playing by the rules. In the scripture, there are certain laws that govern marriage. When you know those laws and play by the rules, then you can be intentional about establishing a mutually fulfilling, healthy relationship with your spouse. Now, today, we're going to talk from the subject marriage plus love. Marriage plus love. Now, that's kind of a strange topic, isn't it? Because you would just think that marriage automatically go with love. I'm calling it marriage plus love because it's possible to have a marriage minus love. It's possible to have a marriage that is um, um, that exhibits no love, not real love, not biblical love, not agape love. So we're talking about marriage plus love. My background text is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. It says, husbands, love your wives Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Titus 2, verses 3 through 4, is our other background text, and it reads, The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderous, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Now, notice it, uh, the scripture instructs the older women to be instructors of good things. In other words, the older women were to instruct the younger wives. Then it says, admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. 
We're talking about marriage plus love, and I'm convinced that this is going to enhance. If you got that thing cranked up and y'all loving on each other real good, this is just going to confirm it and reinforce it and going to bless you. Now, if you're struggling and you got a marriage minus love, then I believe it's going to put some punch in your relationship. The three reasons why believers are commanded to love their spouse. And in scripture, believers, both husband and wives, are commanded by the Lord to love their spouses. And I came up with three reasons. Number one, the first reason why believers are commanded to love their spouses, because loving one spouse is not natural. Is not automatic. That's that's interesting, isn't it? You would think that love would be automatic. You would think that love would be natural. But if love was natural and love was just automatic, then their believers would not be commanded to love. It would just be natural. Well, it's not natural. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, 28, it says that husbands ought to love their wives, which implies they may not, but they ought to. And then the Bible also says wives need to be taught the older women, teach the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children. It says that wives need to be taught to love. So we see the scripture uh, commands believers to love their spouse because loving one spouse is not natural and it's not automatically. Second, believers are commanded to love their spouses because love will either live or die. Love will either live or die die. Love has to be reinforced. Love has to be strengthened. Love has to have continued investment. An investment, time, energy, resources, time, energy, resources, time, energy, money. You have to keep investing in that. In a few days, just a few days, I will be married 44 years my wife and I were married on August the 18th. This August 18th, 2022, we will be married 44 years. And this is true of our marriage. Marriage has to be reinforced. It has to be strengthened. It will live. It will die. Longevity doesn't mean you're going to have a mutual fulfilling marriage. It's what you invest in that marriage, money, time, energy in that marriage. Now, listen at this. I believe thirdly that couples are commanded to love each other because most spouses do not love their spouse biblically. Much of what we call love is that Hollywood kind of love, that feely feeling kind of love. And that's why the divorce rate is so high, not just in the world amongst unbelievers, but also in the church amongst 
believers, Christians. Believers, for the most part, Christians, for the most part, are not loving their spouses biblically, according to Scripture. So let's define what love is. What is love? Love is a decision to discover what your spouse need and desire, coupled with the decision to invest energy and effort to meet those needs and desires. I'll say that again. Love is a decision. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not goosebumps. It is a decision to discover what your spouse need and desire. And that decision is coupled with another decision to invest the energy and effort to meet those needs and desires. That's what love is. But I have another definition that I, uh, and I'll share with you where I got this definition. Love is speaking the same love language. Love is speaking the same love language. There's a book called The Five Love Languages by Garrett Chapman. I read this book many years ago, and it transformed my marriage and my life. In fact, I would encourage you to get this book. It's called Five Love Languages by Garrett Chapman. In this book, he outlines five general ways that romantic partners express and experience love. And he called this love languages. And I'm going to share those five love languages with you in a moment. But let's talk about the key to connection connecting in your relationship with your wife, connecting in your relationship with your husband, I believe that the primary key to connecting is to meet your spouse's need for love. Your spouse need love. Come on, say amen to that, wives. Come on, say amen to that, husbands. We need love from our spouses. If we don't get love anywhere else, and I'm talking about from a person, because God loves us unconditionally, never will stop loving us. But if we're going to get love from any place other, you know, other than God, it should come from our spouse. We need love from our spouse. In fact, God designed marriage to meet couples' needs for intimacy and love. Now, I want to give you an analogy, and then we're going to jump over into the five love languages that Gary Chapman mentions in his book. But I want to give you an analogy. In the area of linguistics, talking about major language groups, there is Spanish, English, French, German, Portuguese, 
etc., etc. Now, most people, this is an analogy, most people grow up learning the language of their, their parents. And the language of their parents usually becomes the primary, their primary native tongue. Few of us, very few of us, learn a secondary language. We speak the language that we learn from our parents. But what if we encounter someone with a different language? I'm an English-speaking person. I did not grow up learning a secondary language. I did not grow up. Now, I took a couple of classes on French, but you know, that's not really learning the language. I did not learn a secondary language like Spanish, like German, like Portuguese. No, I grew up speaking the language of my parents, and they were English-speaking people. Now, listen at this. But what if we encounter someone with a different language? I'm English-speaking, didn't learn a secondary language, and I meet someone that speaks German. I meet someone that speaks French, and that's their primary language. They did not learn a secondary language. So we have an English-speaking person trying to connect with a person who speaks French or German or Portuguese. Well, the problem, we have a language gap. We have a language blockage. Someone has to cross over or both have to cross over and learn the other person's language if they're going to connect. There cannot be a connection if we both are speaking our primary language. Well, married couples have what Garrett Chapman calls a love language. It is our primary love language. We cannot connect with our spouse if we're trying to connect with our spouse with our love language, if they have a different love language. I guess you get the analogy. So let's talk about these five love languages. Now, as I walk you through and give you illustrations of each love language, there are five. I want you to think about yourself. Think about, okay, what is my love language? You may already know this, but maybe you've never heard this before, okay? But I want you to think about your love language. Which five language match you? And then I want you to be thinking about your spouse because your spouse is thinking about her or him, self. And then at the end of the lesson, I want you all to talk to one another. 
And if you've never done it before, like my wife and I, we've done this before. If you've never done this before, don't share your love language during the, le- during the lesson. Don't give yourself away. But then I want you to tell your spouse what your love language is. Your spouse tell you what their love language is. And then I want you to see, because you want to guess. Now I want you to see whether what you thought their love language was, does it match what they said their love language is. Got it? Now listen to this. I'll walk you through it. The first love language is words of affirmation. Now here's the challenge you're going to have. You may feel like, well, I have two love languages. No, you're going to have a predominant love language. You may have a, a, a contest going on. Now watch this. Words of affirmation is the first love language. This person feels love when they receive words of affirmation. Words of affirmation are any spoken or written words that confirm, support, uplift, encourage, praise, or empathize in a positive way. Words of affirmation or sweet expressions of respect, appreciation, gratitude. This person feel love when there's recognition of their positive traits, skills, or accomplishments. Let's look at some examples. When your spouse says, I love you, you're special to me, or I'm proud of you, they say, thank you for all that you do. They say, it really impressed me how you performed. They say, I couldn't have done it without you. They say to you, you're so attractive. They say to you, after a project, you did an excellent job. Do you light up? Does it build you up? Does it make you feel love when you have words of affirmation? Words of affirmation are written words or they can be spoken words. Words of affirmation can be a letter or text, a sticky note, an email, some kind of digital communication. Lots of people feel love when they have words of affirmation. Is that you? Words of affirmation can be based on personal attractiveness. When your spouse talk about how attractive you are, does it make you feel love? It can be based on how you dress. You just love it when your spouse mention how you dress, your outfit. It may be your work ethic when your spouse talks in a positive way about your work ethic, about how you completed uh, a recent project. It just builds you up. 
some personal ability, some character trait, some skill that you have. Does words speak love to you? Some people, that's their love language. And when you understand, spouse, what your spouse's love language, and you give them that in an intentional way, you're going to throw words at them because words make them feel love. Written words, spoken words make them feel love. Is that your love language? Is that the love language of your spouse? You're going to check each other out in a moment. The second love language is quality time. And I I discovered years ago that my wife's my wife love language is quality time. Quality time refers to showing love and affection by spending dedicated time together. For people whose love language is quality time, nothing says I love you more than full, undivided attention from those you love. My wife, she loves for me to spend time with her. Whether it's spending time together, communicating with someone else, or spending time engaged in some activity, the connection is deepening. You know, years ago, I thought if I buy my wife uh, flowers, that it, it would just turn her on. You know, and I was buying these flowers and stuff like that. And, you know, she would appreciate the flowers. I may buy her a gift, and I thought it was an expensive gift. She'd be excited about it for a moment. But she enjoys going out to eat. She enjoys when we go on vacation together. She enjoys when we're hanging out together. And it doesn't have to be something huge. My wife loves quality time. If I don't spend time with her, she doesn't feel love. Words are good, but these spouses need time. They feel adored. They feel appreciated. They feel loved when their spouse is intentional about spending time with them. These individuals who their love language is quality time, they love quality conversation. They love undivided attention. Look at me. I'm talking to you. I want you to look. Want you, you know, sometimes I'll be looking away. She said, I'm talking to you. Doing things together says I love you. So once I discovered that, I realized whether I enjoyed going to the mall didn't matter. And initially, I didn't care about going to the mall. I didn't care about going to stores because she walk in those stores and she pick up something and I know she's not going to get it. 
She'll try to get this. She'll look at this, look at this, pick it up, put it back down, put it back down. I can almost guess now when she's really going to get it, you know. She she may go to the dressing room and fit it, you know. There's a good chance she may get it. But when she just pick it up like that and say, oh, that's cute, she's not going to get that. And so I didn't, I didn't care for that. But once I found out that that was her love language, then I had to forget about what I wanted to do. And I knew that if I'm going to give my wife love, then I had to give her love according to her love language. Now, the third love language is acts of service. This is doing something for someone to make their life easier. It is some kind of practical service. For this person, action speaks louder than words. It can be big, it can be small, but this person want you to help them. They want you to do something for them. And it's not money that they want. It's not necessarily a gift that they want. They want a service. It's act of service for a wife that works every day like the husband work outside of the home a husband helping the wife with housework with the kids and this it makes that person especially if she has acts of service it makes her feel love makes her feel love if uh, a husband his love language is acts of service and you cook his favorite meal. Oh, he feel love. I mean, you, you don't have to touch him. You don't have to do none of that. You cook this meal. You iron his uniform. Oh, he feels he feel love. You take the time, husbands, to to make sure that they gas in the car for your wife or make sure the car is serviced and, and all those kinds of things and your wife's love language is actually, oh, she, you love me. She knows you love. See, it's at you helping your spouse. It's a practical service. It's something that you do for them that makes life easier or makes life more enjoyable, but it is an act. It is a service. It is a practical act. It could be ironing their uniform, handling the repairs. It could be washing dishes. It could be servicing the car, filling the car with gas. It could be doing the bills. You know, maybe you don't, you, 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 you decide I'm going to do the bills to help my wife, help my husband out. That's an, whenever your spouse has acts of service and you do something, some kind of service, some kind of practical thing, they feel love. The fourth gift, uh, fourth love language is receiving gifts. Some Spouses love language is gifts. Oh, you can spend all the time you want with them. You can have words of affirmation, but it's not going to turn them on. Acts of service. No, they want some gifts. They want a gift. And it doesn't have to be expensive. Doesn't have to be large. 
necessarily. They will appreciate it if it's expensive. They will appreciate it if it's large. But gifts to them is a visual symbol of love. Not necessarily the monetary value. It's the thought behind the item. The thought you took, the thought that that went into you buying this, you found it, you discovered it, you knew something that she wanted, you knew something that he wanted, and you took the time to do it, to go to the store and buy it or to make it. In other words, a deliberate choice on your part to give your spouse something that means a lot to them shows them that you love them. It can be a gift of flowers. It could be flowers you picked, flowers you bought. It could be coffee from your spouse's favorite spot. They just love this kind of coffee. And you bought them that coffee. You called them and said, I want to bring you some coffee. What do you want? They love this. Uh, maybe they put together, sometimes my wife will put together albums, you know, uh, and maybe your spouse put together a photo album with significant people, events, experiences that you had and gave it to you. Oh, that bless, that bless you. It's a gift. It can be small. It can be big. But the fact that you took the initiative, some People. And it doesn't mean that they're greedy. It doesn't mean that they just love money. No, no, no. It's a gift. It, it is a love language. God created them that way. You know, when you give them a gift, it says to them, I love you. And then the uh, fifth love language, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, receiving gifts, and then the fifth love language is physical touch. Physical touch. You know, I, I you know, when I first heard this, I was debating, okay, what's my love language? I, I found out my wife's love language was quite wonder what my love language and sometimes you'd be thinking between this and that one and I was wrestling between I was wrestling between words of affirmation and physical touch. And I think physical touch kinda trying to warn warn the 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 the, the debate. On, on me. Spouses with this love language feel love when they receive physical signs of affection. They feel love from the warmth and the comfort that comes with a touch. Now, I, when I said touch, I'm not necessarily just talking about sex. It would include sex because people with this Thing. They like sex, but it's not just sex. It is touch. It could be hugging. It could be kissing. It could be touching. It could be cuddling. It could be holding hands, a gentle pat, a touch on the body. But it, they value the warmth that comes with physical touch. Five love languages. Now, what is your love language. Do you have it? What is your love language? Do you have it? What do you think is your spouse's love language? 
once again, why don't you take a few minutes and talk to each other about this? Now, now I like to close with these statements. I like to close with these statements. True love begins when you speak the language of your spouse. True love begins when you speak the language of your spouse. True love began when I realized that my spouse's love language was quality time. It begins when you're speaking their love language. Well, I was gonna get, I was giving my wife flowers, a person with gifts would love that. But giving her flowers was not her love language. Now she likes the flowers that you grow, you know. Every now and then she will appreciate flowers. It's not that, but I'm talking about her love language is quality time. Don't make the mistake. Here's the second statement. Don't make the mistake of expressing love in your own love language. Let's say your love language is physical touch. Your spouse's love language is acts of service. Don't make the mistake of trying to give your spouse what you need, what you want. Well, I'm I'm gonna hug him and I'm gonna hug her and, and I'm gonna be all over. I want I wanna get close and I wanna I wanna hold hands all the time. And nothing wrong with holding hands. But if his language is acts of service, her language is acts of service, you being touchy touchy is not gonna be a blessing. Now I, I'm gonna talk about sex and I'm gonna talk about intimacy and physical intimacy. In fact I got about three lessons on that, uh, you know. But we're talking about giving the person what they need, not what you need. Love has to do with what the other person needs, what the other person wants. Now listen at this, third statement, just because you feel love doesn't mean your spouse feels love. Just because you feel love doesn't mean your spouse feel love. Let's say, for example, let's say, for example, your love language is quality time, you know? Uh, and your spouse's gifts, okay? Well, just because one spouse is meeting the need of the other spouse doesn't mean that spouse's need is being met. You know, let, let's say you, you like gifts, okay? And your spouse finds that out and they're giving you this and they're giving you this and they, they're always trying to do something nice. They will give you a coupon for this or they're giving you a gift certificate for that and you just feel all love. That doesn't mean your spouse feels it. This can't be a one-way street. This can't be a one-way street. 
you can be walking around feeling, well, you know, I feel great. You know what I mean? My wife ironed my uniform. My wife cooked me the meal I want. My wife does this. Okay, that's great. You feel love. You satisfied. But what does your spouse need? What if she need words of affirmation and you, you're on that quiet side and you never say anything to her? I mean, you never open your mouth to her. You can sit in the house all day long, watch television, and be in your own world, and she doing all this stuff to make you feel love, and you not even saying a word to her, and she needs words of affirmation. And just because you feel love doesn't mean your spouse feel love. It has to work both ways. You have to discover what your spouse desire, what your spouse need, and then you have to be intentional. You have to make the decision. I'm going this time, I'm in this energy, I'm on this resources in meeting that need. And if you got two people doing that, then you're going to have some heaven on earth. Now, listen at this. This is the fourth statement. When an action does not come naturally to you, then you then it is a greater expression of love when you do it. Now, this is a great point. This is a great point. When an action does not come natural to you, then you engage it, you attempt to give it, then it is a greater expression of love when you do this. I give you an illustration. Let's say, let's say your wife's, your wife's love language is physical touch. Let's say that her love language is physical touch. Your love language is acts of service. Got it? Hers physical touch, yours acts of service. You don't feel, you don't really need a lot of touchy-touchy. You're all right if you never hug. You're all right if you never kiss. You're all right if you you never cuddle up against her. I mean, you 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 just fine. You just happy long as you get an acts of service. So you're natu- you're not naturally given to that. Once you find out that your wife love language is physical touch and you make the decision that I'm going to give her physical touch. I'm going to hold her hands. I'm going to hug her. I'm going to embrace her. I'm going to kiss her, even though it's not my natural thing then it is a greater expression of love on your part because you're willing to move outside of what you enjoy, what you need, what blesses you to make your wife feel love. That's a greater expression of love because you are moving. And I'll tell you something that's going to happen to you. I I promise you it'll happen to you. What you give your attention to, you will desire You'll desire it. It really will. 
God is not going to allow you to love her like that because see, love is not about what you want and what you need. Love is about what your spouse want, what your spouse need. It's her job to communicate to you. This is what I need. This is my love language. This makes me feel love. And then it's your job. Now that she, you don't tell her what she need. You listen to her. You listen to him. And he tells you what he needs. She tells you what uh, she needs. Then you listen and you're intentional about that. And it's a beautiful thing when you choose to do something that you doesn't have a natural disposition toward, it is a greater expression of love and God's going to supernaturally help you. When I found out my wife love language was quality time, I had no desire to sit up walking around the mall. Absolutely none. I go in, come out, listen, I chose to do it because she wanted to. I chose to walk in the store because she wanted to. I didn't want to, okay? And God is my witness. I got to a point where I love going to the malls. I love spending time with my wife. I thoroughly enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoy it. Whatever you give your attention to, you will eventually desire. God will help you. So for some of you, it's going to be initially uncomfortable. But that's what love is, is moving outside of your comfort zone to make your spouse happy. That is your job. That's your responsibility to meet your spouse's needs and desires. That's not another man, another wife's responsibility. That's your responsibility. And in order to perform it, you have to want to do it. You have to choose to not be selfish. And selfishness is the number one destroyer of marriages. Selfishness, the number one. So to truly love, you have to move outside of what you want and what you desire. I've talked about marriage plus love. You have to have a marriage and you have to add love to it. Now, listen, I think this was a good lesson. I think you all need to sit down and talk, go back and listen to it. You can go to Mike Moore Ministries and you can listen to this uh, again and then you discuss it and then be intentional about giving your spouse what he or she needs and desires. I love you. Thank you for this time that we shared today. I'm not finished with this series. This was lesson four. We got about four more lessons to go. I trust that you've been blessed. Go back, listen to the prior lessons, and I believe that the word is transforming your life. Look forward to seeing you next time. Mm-hmm.